This is Micah's phone. I'll just go ahead and turn it to you. humble and what does it mean to be humility that is focused around Christ um, and really 
we are not coming to you uh, like these, these people who are these, these humble masters of humility and we know everything there is about to be humble and things like that. No, I'm actually coming to you as a very prideful person, uh, which is humility is something that I really struggle with a lot. Uh, and it's through this class, even when we got assigned this class, I was like, oh, humility, that's easy. And then I realized as I'm studying it out, hmm, I'm a uh, prideful person. And so opening up with that, do you have anything? No, I just feel like the, the preface is necessary. I feel like <laughs> when, we, when we were asked to do this class, we both thought, ah, well, it's one of the easy ones. It's like one of the character ones. It's not like spiritual warfare or anything. But I think through doing and studying out this topic and having anything to share with you guys, like I will say of anyone who needed this the most, Jacob and I clearly were like, okay, that's why they assigned us to this class. So, um, so whatever you take away, I hope that it will be spirit inspired and please know that it was a learning journey for us as well over the past couple weeks. So uh, without further ado, will anyone uh, pray to open us up, please? Will you please? Dylan? Yes. All right. Dear God, um, Lord, thank you for this day. God, I'm grateful to be here, Lord, and I know everyone else here is as well. Um, God, I just pray that while we're here, we can just fill up on you, God, um, and just um, continue to grow in our relationship with you, Lord, and to just come um, away from the street just with at least one thing, Lord, that is going to pull us closer to you, God. Um, God, I pray you be with Chandler and Jacob, Lord, as they're doing this lesson. God, I pray you speak through them and that we can just learn lots from you, Lord. God, I love you. Amen. 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 So I want to start. Are you, huh? are you recording? Yes. Yes. Uh, so I thought I would start with a question for you all, kind of in light of our activity here. Has anybody ever shown true humility to you? Yes. I'm sure that probably makes your mind go a bunch of different places. Like, what is true humility? Like, has anybody ever actually washed your feet? Or do you feel like, oh, I have a mom. She's done nice things for me. Oh, yeah, we have an actual response. Yeah. Oh. No, it's, I mean, I didn't ever do. Oh, sorry. <laughs> what you got, Cindy? What you got? I was just thinking about my dad. Yeah. And growing up, he was really great. It's like if we had an argument or something, like really coming back and apologizing first. And I feel like that always, like, really amused me. Wow. Yeah. yeah, we were thinking about when we were writing this class, like, what are all of the instances in humility that we most go to in our lives? And almost always, it's when somebody has initiated it with us, not when, like, you think of, well, you know what, actually, and I'm just being really aware, there was an instance when I was really humble to somebody else, and I thought, oh, that's an interesting thought. It's always the receiver who, who takes the most note of it and goes really far, so... Um, anyway, we are gonna we're gonna camp out in John 13, 1 through 17. Okay, Chandler. Good stuff. John 13, 1 through 17. Subheading: Jesus washes his disciples' feet. That's crazy. All right, I'm gonna read it for us. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. 
that's what, that's what I already forgot to do. After that, he poured into a water basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter said, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not every one of them was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you, not under, oh, do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, but that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as, uh, as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a, master, a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So we, yeah, we really thought, of all the examples of humility in our life, who is the greatest one? And that's Jesus, right? Kind of the, the obvious answer here. But we thought this passage would perfectly embody the, the sentiment that we want to take away. So setting the context for this scene, this is, according to kind of the synoptic gospels, which are not including John, this is the Passover feast. And the Passover feast is this, you know, Hebrew holiday that celebrates um, when the Hebrews were uh, liberated from Egypt, and there is, has anyone seen the Prince of Egypt? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's this awesome scene where it's like the spirit of destruction passes over the doors that have the blood of the lamb marked on them. So it's kind of this historical, um, significant holiday for God's mercy in protecting his people from the plague of killing off the firstborn son. So this is years after that, right? That was way back in Exodus. This is here we are in the Gospels. But the, the holiday is still remembered. And then we have this Last Supper. So this is the night before, some believe it's maybe the two nights before, Jesus is about to be crucified. So you can imagine, or maybe not, really, you can't imagine what's going through his head in this moment. It's the Last Supper. You're sitting down with, with the body of believers. There's this kind of celebration going on. People are in good spirits. But you're thinking something terrible is about to happen. And you think, how can I, how can I properly prepare them to leave, right? Is let's say tomorrow you know something bad is going to happen. What do you call your family and tell them? Like, I I love you. I'm with you. How do you even demonstrate your love for them? Mm-hmm. And so Jesus, I think, does a great job of this. And, and it even says in verse, verse 1, Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. So Jesus is kind of at the, the, the peak of popularity. He's you know, gone through this ministry throughout Middle East now for about three years and it's only been three years so imagine you are let's say you met and baptized as a freshman and then you get to be a senior and your campus minister goes all right touch everything I have go out and do it and you're on your own and you're meant to go go out into the world two by two and kind of do it on your own that's that's the timeline the time of maybe when you're a freshman to the start of your senior year that's the entirety of Jesus's ministry right there and it's Appropriate now that that's such a short window for campus ministry as well, because I think it hones in on the importance of this time to learn and to grow and to really be humble in your thirst for knowledge. So um, they're close, they're family, 
right? They walked together for three years. And they're dirty for some Roman context as well. I'm sure you guys have heard this. Have you guys like seen that show, uh, the, the shoe that they call the Jesus sandal? Or they call it like the, the Air Jesus, the Jordan Air Jesus ones or something? Yeah, they're like these open shoes. Well, in a Roman culture, you would go down to the bathing, bathing like rooms or the property, the bathing houses or whatever, and you would wash yourself, but then you would walk home in the same shoes that you walked there in. So your feet don't ever really get clean kind of throughout your whole life. Um, I know, it's a, it's a it's kind of, if you think about it, so they're accumulating all this dirt, and then they're wet, and they're walking back, and they're saying it's through the dirt and the sand, and it's like, so they just kind of get used to, you know, the bottom of their souls get really hardened, they're growing calluses, probably, you know, it's just, I mean, I don't imagine that they're in maybe pain because the bottom of their feet are hardened so much, but you get the picture. Yeah. It's very good. And Jesus does this not once, but 12 times. He washes all of their feet down the line, right? And so this is, this is really the context of the night. You can imagine, there's these dirty feet. Jesus is overcome with emotions. He knows tomorrow is about to be terrible. But he also knows that the next four days are going to chart the course for the rest of human history. Yeah. So this is, this, is, this is the culmination of the moment, right before he's about to be crucified. And he thinks, how can I leave the best example of not my will, but the one who sent me for these people? Yeah. So then leading up, and we see in this scripture, he gets down, he washes their feet. And then we see Simon Peter's response. It's <laughs> just, just so him. He's, have you ever had somebody try to change your mind on something, and then they're right, and then you become the biggest proponent of it? If you're like, no, I hate ketchup, but then you try ketchup and you like it, and suddenly you're like, no, ketchup belongs on everything. And that's exactly a kind of sign that Jesus. He changes his tune, right? He's like, no, I don't, I don't need this. And then Jesus tells him, no, you do. And then he's like, absolutely, dive in. Can I fit in this basin? <laughs> and he wants to, and then Jesus says, no, you still don't get it. Those who are cleansed by Christ once, you never need cleansing again. Which is a really powerful point, I think. For those of you maybe in this room who have already made that decision, been baptized and cleansed, your feet are forever clean from head to toe. You never need that cleansing again. Which invites another aspect of humility then. So if you're already made perfect, what what is the flaw in, in asking for advice? Why wouldn't you? You know, you have you have nothing to lose. Yeah. And it's really a even a humbling prospect to think about why we walk around in this world. And I'm talking really to the disciples in the room now, as if you needed cleansing again. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have the answer and the cleansing in your hands. So I think that, that really just kind of sets the stage. I've been reading this book called um, The Prideful Soul's Guide to Humility, mm-hmm. which is it's an it's an every year kind of book. It's really powerful, and the authors are uh, Michael Fontenot and Thomas Jones. Which, are, I mean, there's a, some ICOC culture there, but um, the whole point of this one chapter, which is talking about the humility of Jesus, and it actually references the passage in John 13, is that at the heart of being humble is recognizing your dependency on God. At the heart of being humble is knowing that you can do nothing apart from him. And if there's anybody who had a right to not be that way, it was Jesus. And still, he says in scripture, multiple times, I have, I have come to do the will of the one who sent me, him who sent me. He repeats it over and over. In Matthew 26, 53, right before he is arrested, he says, Do you think I cannot call on my father, and he will at once put, a disposal of more than 12, put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? 
like he's aware of his power. He knows that he's got a good thing going, basically. He does not need to rely on anyone. And yet, it is him who lays the best example of, but I come to you the will, who sent, the will of the one who sent me, not at all my own will. So Jesus was the most humble man to ever live. We know that. How do we, how do, we do better in that, right? Like, okay, Jesus did a great example. As he washes people's feet, it's not us today. We have a shower, thank goodness. So I don't have to do that. But I think the, the question that we get from this passage to put in context today is what in Jesus' character most challenges you? What in Jesus' example of humility most challenges you? That was what Jacob and I were wrestling with in this class. And if I can share personally for a moment, having just moved, I had a really rough transition the past, the past month. Not due to anybody else, like everybody else was great. People had very kindly offered, how can I help you? Can we help you settle in? But this is a whole new culture that I wasn't used to before I moved here. And in fact, there's been a lot of instances, like just last, last week we were at staff meeting, and I had shared that I had given one of these campus girls some advice, about her schedule, and kind of the whole staff in the room was like, wait, 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 wait. you said that to her directly? And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I did. Just, that was my campus experience. And they were like, well, maybe we would, have, we would have appreciated if you had shot somebody a text first or confirmed that and not just assumed that your campus experience would be universal for everybody else or even helpful for everyone else. And then they proceeded to explain why this is why we do why we do things as a campus ministry, we have a lot of people, we don't want to slip through the cracks, we want everybody to be taken care of. And this is how maybe the words that you said could have been interpreted as hurtful to her. And it was really like a, like a, it was a moment where I felt embarrassed, I felt really vulnerable, and I thought, oh, but, but, it, but it worked for me, it would work for her. And they were all like, yeah, it did work for you, but, but that's not the standard of the Bible. And like, yeah. here's some scripture for why we do what we do. And it was a, it was a real moment of, yeah, this is, I'm new here. And I'm wanting to learn how to be, you know, better trained. And this is the place that I've come to do it. So it was a real moment of where I was like, yes, totally. I see, like, I could have asked for advice in this moment. And now I feel better equipped in the future. But that real moment of, like, forced humility <laughs> was what really got me. Like, I... I, sh I should have approached it already with advice, and I didn't. And it really, you know, it kind of damaged my relationship with that one girl that I'm still not needing to, like, rebuild right now. Um, I'd like to, I'll wrap up, and then Jacob's going to take over, but in verse 16, verse 16 says, I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now, if you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is what I just want to leave you guys with as we're talking about all this context and the high emotions and, and the need for humility and the dependency on God being the only thing that really matters is we can do nothing without him. I'm really struck by Jesus' lines. Now, if you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Yeah. Not only do you need to do them as you have a dependency on God, but there will be blessings because of them. When you act humbly, there is there are good things that come out of it. You gain more. You build stronger relationships. You are better equipped in the future. And also, you you recognize this real relationship with God where he wants to bless you and give you great things. Mm. So I'm going to let Jacob take over here. Wow. So. That is
So following off that, we're going to continue to talk about Jesus because Jesus is a pretty awesome guy. Yeah. Um, and so real quick, if you want to start turning there, uh, you can start turning to Matthew 27, uh, starting in verse, uh, sorry, starting in verse 27. Or Matthew, yeah, 20. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, it's in Matthew, all right? Bear with me. Uh, yeah, Matthew 27, 27. Appreciate it, appreciate it. And so, really continuing off that, continuing with Jesus, really one thing that, even with this class, it was really humbling, uh, is like Chandler said, is when I received this class and you're like, oh, we're doing this class, I'm like, oh, dude, humility? Absolutely. I'm like the most humble guy that I know. And I realized in that moment, that was extremely prideful. And I'm actually the most prideful person that I know. And I said, hmm, how can I teach a class on humility when I myself am extremely prideful? And so that's in order for me to even come to you talking about humility, I literally had to go back, dive deep, get advice, be humbled, and really see what it means to be true humility, have humility like Christ. And so like I said before, I'm not coming to you as this person who has mastered humility. I'm coming to you as someone who, this is something I really struggle with, and it's a continuation of me striving to be like Christ. And so, real quick, leading up to Jesus, after he washed his disciples' feet, which is, I couldn't imagine, you know, knowing that you are going to die, knowing that someone who, whose feet you are washing is going to betray you. Someone that you love, yet you still have that humility to wash their feet. And so I want to talk about a little bit before I get into the humility, more humility about Christ, because dude, Jesus is humble. Uh, I want to talk about the humility of the cross. Okay. And the first thing, it's, this is kind of a rhetorical question I just want you to think before we uh, get into the verse, is what was Jesus' attitude as he was going through the trials, as he was going to the cross? You know, not once, like Chandler was saying, he said, I could call down these legions of angels if I wanted to, but at no point did he. You know, he didn't fight back. He, he humbled himself and submitted to God's will. And so, starting in verse 27 of Matthew chapter 27, this is about the soldiers who mocked Jesus. It says, the governor of the soldiers took Jesus into the Praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. They twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. Then they knelt down in front of him and mocked him. Hail the king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and they took the staff and struck him on, on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. And then he, they led him away to be crucified. Uh, and really just, just reading this, like, I mean, it gets me every single time, uh, just reading about what Jesus went through uh, and the humility that he had, you know, and you're saying, Father, your will be done, not mine. Mm -hmm. And having that humility to submit to that will. Because if I was in this situation, I'd be like, no, I'm calling those legions down. I'm like, get me out of this situation. I don't want to be in this. Because here's the thing. This is Jesus knew, like I said, knew that he was going to die. But yet he still chose to serve. Jesus was overwhelmingly humble. You know, instead of choosing, because in the last hours of his life, I mean, me personally, I would have been like, you know, serve me, bro. I'm literally going to die for you. You need to wash my feet. But he did the opposite of that. 
In his last hours of his life, he chose to serve. Hmm. And so even in this, I ask the question to myself too, it's like, when Jesus was leading up to the cross, and while he's on the cross, Jesus didn't die for himself. He died for us. So that we may have a relationship with him. And as I'm thinking about this, it, it, just, it just shows me how humble Christ is. Like John 13, how he washed his disciples' feet. And I actually, uh, I don't think anyone in my D group is in here. But in our D group, I remember one time after we were done, I, I literally came in with a towel wrapped around me and, and a bowl of water. I said, let me wash y'all's feet. And they thought I was crazy. Uh, but we actually started doing that and I started washing their feet. And I was like, man, this is... This is humbling. I'm like on the floor, getting in between the toes, washing their feet. You know, and I'm like, man, it, like you said, I couldn't imagine walking around the desert all day with sandals on and washing those feet. I'm like, at least they had socks on. You know, it wasn't yeah. really that. It wasn't too bad. But in that moment, I was like, wow, like, not only am I serving them, but I'm physically acting, uh, putting myself lower than them to do a service, to wash their feet. Mm. And so Jesus approached the cross, again, with humility. And so even when he approached the cross, like I said, it's like he didn't approach the cross, you know, fighting it and trying to get away. It's like, no, he accepted that. And so going again, I want to flip to Philippians 2. Hey, it's good stuff, man. Appreciate it, bro. Dude, Jesus is an awesome guy. So, starting in Philippians 2, uh, most of us know this. Yeah, you got your highlight. I know. You highlight the entire thing. Uh, but starting in verse 3, I really want to read this, and I'm going to read till verse 8. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the other. And your relationships with one another have the same mindsets as Christ Jesus. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider with equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself to become obedient to death, even death on the cross. And so, even right here, Jesus, who it says who had equality with God, didn't use that to his own advantage. He didn't say, well, dude, you know my dad? Like, that's crazy. It's like, no, he, he really made himself nothing, literally by taking the very nature of a servant. And so we most, the C.S. Lewis quote about humility, where it says, humility is not thinking of yourself as less, but it is thinking of yourself less. And so with Jesus, is Jesus knew that he was the Messiah, but not once did he think of himself as more. In fact, he used that to serve others. You know, and like I said before, it's like Jesus didn't die for himself. He died for us. Just as Jesus had humility to surrender to God's will, we need to do the same. And I love how Dom was talking about last night. Because I was looking over at Bryce because he was talking about humility. I was like, that's exactly what I'm talking about. That's crazy. Uh, but it says, do we have the humility to approach God? And I know for me, sometimes I can hide in the darkness because I don't have the humility to approach God. Because I think that, well, I'm not technically in the darkness, I'm in the gray area, so at least I can see sunlight. 
But in reality, that's my pride. You know, pride is nasty. Pride destroys. Humility builds. And so as a prideful person, I have to be humble. I have to come into the light. Yeah. And, and I want to share a personal story. And this is, this is, a, ooh, I love this. Uh, so if you don't know, uh, in Athens right now, we do not have a campus minister. Uh, John and Delaney left, still love them. They're amazing. Uh, they're in, in Charleston now. Awesome. Still call them, still keep up with them. Um, but John, he's not the guy who baptized me, but he's really the guy who showed me how to be a disciple uh, and really how to live that life. Um, and truth be told, while they were here, they were amazing. But it was very easy to hide behind them yeah. and let them do everything mm-hmm. and let me sit back and just reap all the reward. Mm-hmm. You know, let me sit back and, and they can wash my feet. I'll just sit here and relax. You know, and, and then the humbling experience is when it comes in uh, and coming off a summer of an amazing summer. This is just right off the, after the summit coming in. Fire it up, like, oh, this is awesome, we're going to change the world, like, revive, yes, revive the mission, and literally say, you know what, we don't even need a campus minister, I'm just going to go out on campus, I'm going to go all day, I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to share my faith all day. And so, I did. I'll tell you right now, I didn't get a single person. Mm-hmm. I got denied, 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 denied. And I'm like, what the heck, God? In fact, and this, this stuck with me, this actually... Uh, this still sticks with me, and this actually helped me to build a conviction off of this, is I was talking to a guy, and I was sharing with him, and literally what he told me, he goes, so is this an ad? Mm. And I go, mm. And I was, at that moment, I was like, mm. Wow. Those words literally destroyed me. Mm. Because I was like, this entire time, I'm like, man, what was my heart behind this? My heart wasn't I want to see these people and I I want to build disciples. My heart was, man, I want to see how many people I can get. I want to see how many disciples I can make. How many disciples can I study the Bible with? And it was my pride. And I'll tell you right now, this semester so far, it's been so humbling. (laughs) And it is well needed. And, And so even with that, you know, we don't have a minister, but it's like, Everyone in the ministry has stepped up, and it just it has humbled me so much because it knows I'm like, I know why am I doing this. My, my, my will isn't to do the will that I want, but it's to do the will of God. And so even today, if you were a disciple in this room, ask yourself this question, am I surrendering to God? Do I have the humility to surrender to God? Just like Jesus surrendered his will to God and put himself on the cross, do we have the humility to surrender ourselves to God's will? And if not, let's think about that. Let's talk about that. And even if you haven't made that decision today, think about this. Is in order to have a relationship with God, you have to have humility. Because humility shows submission. And in order to have this relationship, you have to submit to God. Because when you say that you don't know something, but you want to study it out to find out, that's humility. My pride says I know everything. I can tell you right now, I don't know everything. Uh, I, I Trust me, this has helped me seek advice. I got advice on this lesson. Because like I said, <coughs> I'm 
prideful person talking about humility. I need help. Yeah, I, I, I need help. And so, even with that, even with the cross, oh. so just some context behind the cross as well, is back in 25 to 30 AD, you wouldn't see anyone wearing a cross necklace. Um, that would be unheard of. Uh, because when you saw the cross, that means someone was going to die. Uh, that means someone was going to die a painful, humiliating death. And so, the fact is that Jesus put himself through that. I look at that and I'm like, man, that is the ultimate example of humility. And I know that this, uh, the theme of this, uh, this weekend is lighted up. And so, I, I just love this, this passage in Ephesians. Uh, it's Ephesians 4. It's also Ephesians 5. So starting in Ephesians 4, uh, verse 31, we're going to end in Ephesians 5, 1. It says this. It says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children... And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us, and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I know I said just one, but two. Awesome. Uh, and then going down, and still in chapter 5, looking at verse 21, and then it says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so humility is not only looking at humility to God, but it's also having humility with others. And like Chandler was talking about, for me, it's been the other way around. I have been the one being humbled. And I, I'll tell you, it, it is needed. Because there are times where I think that I'm so right and I'm so on this pedestal that for someone to come along and tell me, hey, bro, it's wrong. And here's why. Helps me to just take a reality check. And really shows, I'm like, man. Because honestly, let's be true. Pride is blinding. Mm. I mean, we yeah. can be blinded by our pride. Sometimes you can sit here, because uh, I was like, and I asked a question, like, who in here thinks that they are the most humble? Like, raise your hand. And it's like, okay, from that very statement, you're prideful. And so, but even with that, having humility with one another and submitting to one another out of love and reverence for God shows humility. So in your relationships with one another and your friendships with one another, you have to have humility. And even in the description of this lesson, humility is in short supply today. I mean, you can look in the world today, and humility is hard to find. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, what better way, <coughs> as disciples, to go out and do exactly what Jesus did, which was humbling ourselves before God, submitting to God, because without submitting, submitting, yes, to God, it's impossible to have a relationship with Him. So we have to humble ourselves before God. And if we humble ourselves before God, not only will we grow in a relationship with Him, but we will also grow in a relationship with one another. Because humility shows love. Putting yourself below, I mean, besides RJ, how many in here have actually had their feet washed by someone? How did it make you feel? I heard they did this last year. Incredible. Oh, that's good. <laughs> in my Incredible? Honored. 
So after, in our D group, after I washed their feet, they turned around and they're like, all right, let's wash your feet now. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa okay, well, calm down, calm down. That's my pride talking. They're like, all right, Peter. I said, okay. But after they washed my feet, I was like, wow, this kind of feels kind of nice. You know, we were like, all right, next D group, we're going to all go get pedicures. It's going to be awesome. But, but even with that, it, it, I really saw that because it was a physical act of putting yourself lower. And so today, let's, let's be humble. You know, practically, what can we do? You know, I ask these questions to myself is, are we building a life around ourselves? Or are we building our life around God? You know, when someone comes to us who is going to correct us or call us out on something, how do we respond? Do we respond out of blame shifting? Do we respond out of, well, and respond back in anger? Or do we submit? Say, bro. This. Now you're absolutely right. I was in the wrong. Not only submitting to one another, but even humbling yourselves to where I say this a lot, where when you come into whatever TNL, WFNL, whatever meeting with the body, do you sit around and say, What can I gain? What can I get? Or do you sit and say, What can I give? Because when Jesus entered a room, I'm sure that he'd say, Man, whose feet in here can I wash? How can I serve? And so just thinking about those practicals of just thinking about humility and the practicals of humility is when someone, like I said, when someone is calling us out and correcting us, how do we respond? And I really want us to focus on, are we building a life around ourselves or God? Because pride is focused around ourselves. Humility is focused around God. Amen. Amen. Yeah, here's my, here's my closing thought for you all. In everything, but especially in humility... God is always closer to infinity, and we are always closer to zero. <laughs> Especially in humility. Even if, even if God were, let's say, like 100, we are still closer to zero. <laughs> and there's no way we will ever get to that infinity side. So mm. I think that extends even past the confines of this class. But we wanted to encourage you guys and just share what we've been learning lately. And, um, I mean, keep us accountable. Please follow please. up with those of you who are even in Athens or North Shore. Please ask me, how's it going with, with that book that you're reading? How's it going in your pride? And, Likewise, I will try and be that for, for my people, you know. We're called scripture in Ezekiel 33, be each other's watchmen. So keep each other accountable in this area. But, amen. I know we have a little bit of time. We'd love to hear some response and or instances of humility in your lives, where we have a challenge in this. I know this is not like a new topic. Like, literally, I heard they did this exact activity last year. So I was like, I didn't even know that. I was like, dang, if you're here for the second time this year, welcome back. Clearly, you need to learn something. So, yeah, Tom. Yeah, I think I appreciate you guys just sharing. Um, yeah, I think it was a good reminder to to remember that Jesus like washed Judas's feet. Like, like the fact that like this person that was gonna betray him, like he became less and still washed his feet, um, and like was still humble with that. Um, I just thought it was a really good reminder. But I also wanted to ask you guys a question, like when it like when it comes to seeking advice and like. So I feel like, for me, sometimes it can be hard to, like, seek advice. And, like, if I don't take it, it's like I'm not being humble to the advice. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, all right, I sought advice, but I'm already doing what I thought was right. So, like, in what ways are, like, is it okay to, like, seek advice and not take the advice that's given to you? Because advice is advice. Like, you're not, yeah. it's not something that you have to do. But is it also, it's, like, also the thought of, like, 
is it not is it prideful not to take that place? Mm. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I can uh, contest to that. So I've been in both situations. Uh, John Crawford was my discipler. And there was a time where he gave me advice on something and I straight up told him, I think your advice is dumb and I'm not going to take it. <laughs> and well, then couple weeks later you know I call him up crying because I didn't take his advice and it was a humbling experience um but in that moment he was like oh I told you so he's not really talking about that but even with that usually when it comes to getting advice it is I, look I'm someone who needs help I I as much as I want to think that I can do it all on my own I can't uh and when I go get advice I go to people who I know might not tell me what I want to hear I go to older people in the church. You know, I, I go to older disciples, people who have done this a lot longer than me because they've made more mistakes than I have. Just from chronological, like for being alive longer, you know, they have made more mistakes than me. Therefore, they can help me out and say, well, this is what I learned from my mistake. And so when it comes to advice is I don't necessarily go get advice from like some things from my peers. Yes, but I will go get advice from people who are older than me. Like for dating, I go get advice about people. I go get people in the church who are married and get advice there because obviously they have done something right. And so when it comes to advice, I don't think it's necessarily prideful to reject that advice. Now, if it's like I said, when John gave me that advice and I rejected it, that was my pride. I would just reframe the question and look for more who am I getting advice from? Who am I going to to get advice? Um, and Please get advice. Uh, trust me. I mean, it's scriptural. You know, it's, it talks about in Proverbs just how like a, a party of one fails, but a party of many advisors you know succeeds. And so, really getting advice uh, from multiple people. Because, like I said, also don't go get advice from people who are going to tell you what you want to hear, mm-hmm. and you know that. It's like I would go to people who might not tell you what you don't yeah. want to hear. My only thought about that is humble consideration. Yes. When you've been given some advice. Give it the time of day, the time of mind to really think about it. Try it out, even, you know, see how you like it. And if not, that's okay. There's room for more advice then. Yeah. I have nothing. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, so I guess my question would be uh, humbling is through a plan. That's kind of like my question, but the reason why I ask that is because I was based at a school, I was playing football at the school, and I was doing really good. Um, financially was the reason why I had to leave the school. So when I moved to this school, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing, keep playing ball. But I was like, God was like, no, you're done. Mm-hmm. I want you to follow me. And in which that moment, I knew His plan was different from what I wanted. So how do you humble yourself when God changes what you wanted to do? Through and He's like, okay, I want you to do this. Mm-hmm. How do you stay humble, not just in a situation or action, but through yeah. a, a life changing, you know, action? Yeah, that's uh, I can. Uh, I can actually relate with you. So I ran track and cross country in high school. Uh, my senior year, I got injured. Uh, so I, my dream was to go run for a school. Um, and God said no. Um, because when I tore a tendon in my leg, and then COVID came and completely canceled everything, uh, I was very angry at God. Um, that was one of the moments in my life where I considered walking away from the faith because I said, God, if there's really a God out here, why would he make this happen to me? Um, but... Truth be told, you know, in John 13, 7, Jesus says, you don't understand now, but later you will. And so I didn't understand at the moment, but later down the road where I see that I'm at, where I'm at now, and the ministry that I'm a part of, and the people that I'm surrounded, I thank God every day for that. 
And so even with the humility, it's sometimes we don't understand why God is doing something in our lives this moment, but it says later we will. And so even in that humility, it talks about submitting is, God, I don't know what you're doing right now, but I trust that it's good. I mean, Psalms 13, David, oh, dude, David was like lamenting his heart out. Um, but at the end of that Psalms, it says, but I will trust in your unfailing love, for you have been good to me. And so even at a time where it's like change in life and, and continuing to be humble, I just encourage you to continue to look towards you know, God. Look, continue to look towards that. Continue to submit to him. Because I look at men in the Bible where they thought their life was going to be awesome, and God was like, actually, complete 180, let's go this way. And they're like, all right, looks like we're on a roller coaster. Let's go this way now. Um, but really, they had the heart to submit to God and really continue to follow him. We can talk more about that later. But I do want to let you guys get going because there's more goodness in store. So that's it, you guys.